Now I'll repeat the welcome that Brother David already extended to everyone that's here. If there are any here and this is the first meeting that you've attended today here in the hall, you've come along tonight for the gospel meeting, we thank you very much for coming. And uh, there are some of you here and you've been here all day. Some of you younger children, you've had a long day and you've sat well and you've been busy between meetings and you're tired. I would just like to appeal to you to please pay attention and listen to the gospel. And it's our earnest prayer that tonight, if you're not saved, that before the meeting is over, you would know what it is to be saved, to have your sins forgiven, to have eternal life. For most of you younger kids, you won't know who I am, but I was once just like you. It's hard to believe now, right? I'm old and kind of a little too large and gray hair, but I was just the same. I was a little kid. I'd go to conferences and I'd be tired, but I'd sit in gospel meetings. So we're really glad you're here and we hope that you'll sit up and you'll listen as the gospel's preached. I'm going to read just a few verses tonight. They're very familiar. John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now I'd like to ask you a personal question tonight. And it's a large audience, and I'm just one person speaking to you, so it might seem a little impersonal, but it really is a personal question. If I had the opportunity to sit down with you, one-on-one, -on -one, and look into your eyes and ask you this question, I would like it to come across to you just that personally. Are you born again? <clears throat> you don't have to answer to me. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask on the way out the door. I'm not going to ask you to sign anything. But I am going to ask you to honestly answer that question in the presence of God. 
As you sit here tonight, a few people reminded me this afternoon twice I said it was November. I'm just slightly ahead of myself. It's still October for a few more days. So as you're here tonight and it's still October of 2019, are you born again? Because we have read a very simple statement that the Lord Jesus made. And this is what he said. Ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. So therefore, it's a very important question to answer. Now, some of you young ones, your children that are here, you've grown up maybe in Sunday school and you're fairly familiar with um, a question like that. And so right away, your mind can process the answer. And there's some of you sitting here and quite likely you will say, yes, yes, I'm born again. I'll tell you that I'm born again. The way the scripture uses the word doesn't mean that I've had some sort of renewal in life. It doesn't mean I've turned over a new leaf. It doesn't mean that I started a new type of diet or it doesn't mean that when the Bible speaks about being born again, I can tell you that in that way, the way the Bible's describing it, I've been born again. Let me ask you this, some of you younger ones that are here. Is it possible that when I ask you, are you born again? That maybe in your mind, your answer is what mine used to be when I was little. People would say, Andrew, are you saved? Or Andrew, are you born again? You know what my answer would always be? Not yet. You ever answered that way? You ever thought that in your mind? I ask you, are you born again? You say, well, not yet. You know, that's an interesting answer because it means that you know the answer is no. But you expect that one day the answer is going to be yes. And you intend that someday you're going to be born again. But just not yet. Well, as I start my message tonight, I'd like you to just sort of listen. Because the Bible never talks about people who are not born again yet. It never talks about people who are not saved yet. It talks about people who are saved or people who are lost. People who are saved or people who are perishing. People who are born again and people who need to be born again. So let me ask you the question again. Are you born again? What does it mean to be born again? I've already said some of the things that doesn't mean. The term is used uh, in a number of obscure ways in our world. They'll talk about, you know, a, a businessman that sort of falls flat in his face and everything goes sour and he gathers up the fragments from the ashes of a failed business and turns it all around and blossoms and goes on to make millions and give uh, seminars and write blogs and everybody follows him and he's, he's born again in business. Or maybe somebody who struggles with addictions and problems and they're able to get help and lick those demons and start afresh. They're a new man, a new person. They're born again. Well, all of those things are good in their place and I'm not here to decry any of them, but that's not at all what the Bible is talking about. This is not talking about something that you do yourself. It's not talking about some transformation that you accomplish in life. Interestingly, what does it mean to be born again? Well, the man to whom these words were first spoken... He had no idea what they meant. His name was Nicodemus, and he was a leader of the Jews. He was a ruler among the people. And it's quite obvious that when the Lord Jesus spoke to him and said, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus had absolutely no idea what this man, Jesus of Nazareth, meant. Because he says so. He said, how can these things be? Can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? And... So Nicodemus was totally confused. What does it mean? Well, the Lord Jesus explains. 
He said that to be born again means to be given a brand new kind of life. There is a natural birth. And I'm here in front of you tonight because on January the 2nd, 1964, you can do the math, 55 years ago, in the island of Trinidad, a man and a woman called Danny and Audrey Usher, they had a baby boy. And his name was Andrew Usher, a little boy up here in the front row called Andrew. I told him it's a great name. Asked him if he knows what it meant, what it means. And he didn't, but I told him he's never going to forget. Because Andrew means strong and manly. So <laughs> there you have it. They called his little baby Andrew Usher, and that was me. And because I was born, I now have life. The fact that I'm standing in front of you speaking today is proof that obviously I was born. And I can go back to a time when I was born and that birth results in my natural life to live as a human being here on planet Earth. The Lord Jesus says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Natural birth produces natural life. But he says there's a different type of life. There's being born of the spirit. Receiving life from God that prior to that time you do not have. So being born again means being brought into God's family. Given a life that comes from God, it's called eternal life. Receiving as a gift from God something that you do not have and can never get on your own. To be brought into his family and given the life of God, eternal life. That's what it means to be born again. Now let me ask you this. Who needs to be born again? The Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said, except a man is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So who needs to be born again? Well, in the context of John 3, obviously Nicodemus needed to be born again because that's who the Lord was speaking to. But is it just Nicodemus? Who needs to be born again? Well, a very good scriptural answer would be everyone. Right? Everyone needs to be born again. But you know, while that might be a scriptural answer in the sense that it's true... That's not really going to do you any good. Because what I would like to impress on you tonight in this meeting is that you need to be born again. Not that the person beside you or behind you or your cousins or your friends or you need to be born again. You notice how personally the Lord Jesus confronted this man with this truth. We're told a little bit about the man. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was evidently a decent man, a respectable man, a knowledgeable man in the scriptures. And he comes to Jesus by night. And he begins to speak to Jesus. And he says, we know that you're a master in Israel. For no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And I don't think he was being flippant or, or flattering or anything else. I think the man was being sincere. And he was ready to have a discussion with this, this amazing man that had done mighty miracles, he was ready to have a discussion with this man about who he really is because he obviously had come from God. But the Lord Jesus cuts right across. I want to speak reverently, but it's as though the Lord Jesus says, we're not here to discuss mighty miracles. We're not here to discuss all of the prophecies being fulfilled and what you might know or what you might think. It's as though the Lord Jesus just yanks the rug right out from underneath Nicodemus. And says, Nicodemus, unless a person is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. But you'll notice just a couple of verses later, the Lord Jesus doesn't say, except 
a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. By the time you come to verse 7, the Lord Jesus says, Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. That's what I'd like to impress on you from the platform today, tonight. Is that this message, while it is a message that is available to anyone, and it embraces potentially everyone, what you need to understand tonight is that this is a message from the Spirit of God to you as an individual. And as kindly but as plainly as I can tell you, you will never be born again until you understand that you need to be born again. You must be born again. There's, there's no way to make that more emphatic. It's not a suggestion, not a recommendation, it's not advisable. It's not that it would be good to have it. It's an absolute necessity. You must be born again. Why? Why must you be born again? Why must you be born again? Why is it so essential? Well, again, right in the, the passage that we've read, the Lord Jesus says that without being born again, you cannot be in heaven. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So let me just say that again, plainly. Without being born again, you will not be in heaven. And if there are any older ones here tonight that perhaps that's a strange message to you. Because there's tremendous confusion in the world on this point. The devil has done a masterful, a tragically masterful job of confusing people into thinking that through religion or baptism or prayers or penance or some rite, a person can get to heaven. Or some will say there's multiple ways to get to heaven. There's, it would be presumptuous to say there's only one way to get to heaven. I am absolutely not here to argue with anyone. But I am here to tell you faithfully from the word of God that the man who spoke these words, the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what he said. John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And he's the one that says, except you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Why must you be born again? Not only will... You'll not see the kingdom of God without being born again. But you'll never see the kingdom of God. Uh, sorry, you will never know God unless you're born again. It's impossible. Some of you kids that are here, you likely know a lot of Bible verses. Right? If this was a children's meeting and I was asking questions, you could probably answer them. If I were to ask how a person saved, you could probably quote some verses to tell me how. You might know a lot of things about God. But you know, you'll never know God, ever, without being born again. You need life. You need to receive eternal life as a gift to be born into God's family, or you will never, ever know God as your father. But there's a very solemn note in these verses. So far, it's quite clear what I've said, that without being born again, you can't be in heaven. Without being born again, you can't know God. But you know, down near the end of where we read, there's a word in verse 16. It's a very dark word. It's a very sobering word. 
It's the word perish. It's in a very positive light in verse 16. Because it's speaking about people who will not perish. But the sad reality underlying that verse is. That if you're not born again. You will perish. It's not just that you won't be in heaven. It's that you will be. In a place that the Bible describes as a place of torment. A place called hell and the lake of fire. Separated from God forever. No chance of release. No grace, no mercy. To be lost and to perish and have no hope forever. You must be born again. Because if you're not born again, you're going to perish. Now that's not an easy thing to say. It's certainly not a popular thing to say. And it's not anything that gives me any joy to say. But it is the truth. I think it was maybe Brother John Dennison that reminded us earlier today that speaking the truth is maybe the surest way to show love. And I wouldn't be fair or truthful to you if I tried to gloss that over. So if you're sitting in this meeting tonight and you are not born again, could I just tell you as kindly and plainly as I can, you must be born again or you'll never be in heaven. You'll never know God. And you will perish in your sins forever. That is why the Lord Jesus said so emphatically to this dear man. You must be born again. Let me ask you another question. When? When must I be born again? When must a person be born again? When must you be born again? If that's good English. Well. Given what I've just said, I think we would all agree that absolutely, definitely, whatever you do, make sure you're born again before you die, naturally, before you leave this earth. Because this offer of salvation, this gift of eternal life, this opportunity to be saved, this tremendous instruction to be born again, it's given to us in this life while we have the ability to choose to accept the gift of God, which is eternal life. But if you get to the end and you slip away through death into eternity, it's too late. So when must you be born again? Definitely, definitely before your life ends. But let me ask you this. When's that going to be? I don't think there's likely any one of us, likely not one of us, up until... Ten seconds ago when I told us to stop to think about this. There's likely not one of us thinks that this is our last night on earth. Every one of us is in reasonably good health. Many of you here are young. The fact is none of us know. None of us know. But this could be. You know the only one who knows? The only one that knows is God. And you know when God says you must be born again? Now. Now. And honestly, that's the only time I can tell you you need to be born again is now. It would be very, very irresponsible of me to suggest to you that you should think about it and be born again this month or this year. Because I have no idea. The Lord Jesus could return tonight. And the opportunity for the gospel like this to be preached to people like you will end. 
And it could well be that there's someone here tonight. And in this meeting on this particular night. The message from the throne of the God of heaven in grace to your soul is this. You must be born again. It's for you. And it's tonight. But finally let me ask this. How? How can I be born again? That's the big question that Nicodemus was asking. How can these things be? And you can almost sense in the, the, the responses of the man his sincerity and his respect and the longing of his soul. He was seeking for answers. How can these things be? And I dare say there's probably some like that here tonight. Because again, I was the same when I was small. I wanted to be saved. never remember a time in my childhood when I didn't want to be saved. I always intended someday I would be saved. It never dawned on me that I wouldn't get saved. I, I thought I'd get saved someday. I knew I'd be saved someday. It's the thought I did. And, but I didn't really know how. I knew all the things the Bible said, but I just didn't really know how to be saved when it came right down to it. So the Lord Jesus uses two illustrations with Nicodemus. First of all, he uses the illustration of the wind. He says, the wind blows where it listeth. The wind blows where it wants. And you can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, I don't know what you think of wind. Um, but in the line of work that I've spent virtually all my adult life in, is in the tent industry. We put up big tents for weddings and <clears throat> sporting events and other types of things. I've had a lot of very, very, very unpleasant encounters with the wind. And if I was able to control the wind or I was able to know a little more about the wind or what causes the wind or how to turn down the wind, or it would make my life much, much easier. When you're out there and the wind's howling and the pegs are pulling and the tent's going and everyone's screaming, it's extremely unpleasant. But that's the wind. You can't control it. You can wait till it passes, and, but you cannot control the wind. What do I learn from that? That when it comes to the issue of being born again, it's not something that you can do. It's not something that you can figure out. I was trapped there for a long time as a little boy. I was saved when I was 10. I was born again, October the 15th, 1974, 10 years old. But I can tell you for almost a year and a half before that, I tried with every fiber of my being to be saved. I tried to believe and I tried to trust and I tried to come and I tried to lean and I tried to do everything I had ever heard anybody ever say they did. When they were saved. And being saved to me was sort of like a puzzle I couldn't solve. Remember those Rubik's Cubes? I, I couldn't solve it. And I would try and I would take another angle and I would fix and I could not get saved. And I will never ever forget, I don't think, as long as I live, a few moments before God saved me, I fell back on my pillow, I started to cry. And I can still feel the sense of despair. That there's the, the pit of my stomach. I remember starting to cry. I thought, it's no good. I, I can't get this. I don't know how. I'm not going to be saved. I'm going to be in hell. And honestly, for the first time in my life, I had come to grips with the fact that I could not do it myself. I couldn't figure it out. It wasn't something that I had to try to solve or figure out. I could not get saved. That's like the wind. But then the Lord Jesus uses a second illustration. And this second illustration that he uses is something that would have been very, very familiar to Nicodemus. 
It's from Numbers 21, the way our Bible's divided up. The children of Israel are in the wilderness, and serpents have come among them. You know the story. And these snakes came and bit the people. And in grace, mercy, the Lord provided a remedy. He told Moses to make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And whoever looks to the serpent of brass, they're going to live. Simple illustration. You're bitten with a serpent, you're certain to die. Nothing you can do. But there's a provision that's made. You just look at the serpent in the pole and you're going to live. And the Lord Jesus goes on to say that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so just the same way, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So he says it's just the same as when Moses put that serpent in the pole, whoever looked at it would live. Well, just the same way, the Son of Man's going to be lifted up. He will be the provision to give life. He will be the one that is going to be able to give divine life to a person so they're born again, so they're saved, so their separation from God is gone, their sin is removed, and they are brought into God's family and they're given life. He is going to be lifted up in order that those that believe on Him can have eternal life. So you say, well, okay, well, how does that help? How can I be born again? You know, one of the things that the devil, again, has been so successful at doing is getting into people's minds that it's so hard to believe. Do you think it was hard to look? If you had been, let's just say, I mean, I don't know what age you are here, eight years old, 10 years old, 15 years old. If you had been eight or 10 or 15 in the wilderness back in Numbers chapter uh, 21, and you'd been bit. By a snake. And you knew. You knew that with that snake bite in your leg. You're going to die. And the message comes. There's a serpent on a pole. Moses put it there. And all you have to do. You've got to look to the serpent. And you'll live. What would you think. Of a person in that situation. Thinking. Well boy how. How do I look. How am I going to look. How is it going to work. I'm just not sure how to look. You say, well, that's, like, that doesn't even make sense, right? All the person's got to do is just look, look, look to the serpent on the pole. You're going to live. You know, the, the Spirit of God uses language that's equally simple. When he says that the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes on him will have eternal life. They won't perish. And instead of just taking the simple illustration and the application and the parallel that the Lord gives... Instead of that, we tie ourselves a knot and we say, well, I don't know how to believe. It's not in you figuring out how to believe. The fact is that it's true. It's already happened. Even in some ways with greater clarity than this man was given, when the Lord spoke to Nicodemus, it was still future. Nicodemus would have had no way of knowing in John chapter 3 exactly what was going to unfold. He wouldn't have known. That in just a few short years, Jesus of Nazareth was going to be lifted up on a cross. That he was going to die outside Jerusalem. The amazing thing is, if you follow through this gospel to the end, John's gospel to the end, you'll find that Nicodemus was there after Jesus died on the cross. And he actually helped another man, Joseph of Arimathea, to take his body down and wrap it up and put it in the tomb. 
So Nicodemus certainly benefited from this conversation. Nicodemus was born again. Nicodemus was given life. But he would have had no way of understanding when the Lord spoke these words what was going to happen. You have the benefit, and I do, of looking back and it's already happened. The Son of Man has been lifted up. The Lord Jesus Christ has died on the cross. The Word of God has recorded the truth. And God has given us His guarantee that when He died on the cross, He finished the work. And God is satisfied and sins can be put away and you can be born again. And you say, well, how can I be born again? Do you believe that God is telling the truth? I've described to you the moment that, I don't know exactly what time it was, but October the 15th, when I in despair fell back and I cried, I thought, it's no good, I can't get it. I don't know how, I'm not going to get saved. I'm going to be lost. It was in that moment that, thank God, the truth from the Word of God by God's Spirit, it came to my soul. But that's why the Lord Jesus died. He died so that I wouldn't be in hell. He died so that I could receive life. He died so that I could be saved. And I wasn't trying to believe or trust or lean or come or do anything else. I realized there's nothing for me to do. It's not that there's a missing link that I have to add. It's that he did everything. And he's telling me that and I just don't believe him. And I said, well, if it's true, then I'm never going to be in hell. And I am born again. So as I sit down and John gets up to continue the last part of the meeting, I'd just like to ask you, are you born again? You must be born again. You can be born again tonight. Not by anything you do yourself, but by what the Lord Jesus did when he died on the cross to put away your sins.